employed a man who had special needs. And this man's name was George. And George's job was to sweep and clean the metal shavings underneath the lathe uh, and underneath the, the mill presses in the shop. Now, George was born again, uh, but despite his special needs, George loved studying the Bible. He loved studying especially prophecy like you might find in Daniel and, and Revelation. Uh, but he also loved to sing the hymns, Hogan's. Uh, he loved singing the hymns of, uh, of the coming of Christ. He would love to sing uh, songs like in the sweet by and by. And uh, songs like when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And one Friday afternoon, about ten minutes before quitting time, someone looked at George and said, George, are you ready to go home? And he said, uh-huh, sure am. And the only problem was, is he was all still dirty. He hadn't cleaned up. And so he, he actually looked like he was planning on working for a while. Still other people would come and ask George, well, are you ready to go home? And George said, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. And they said, no, man, you're not ready. You're still dirty. You need to go get cleaned up. And he said, no, let me show you something. And at that, he unzipped his coveralls, and underneath those coveralls were the neatest, cleanest clothes that you could ever imagine. So when the whistle blew, all George did was unzip, step out of his cover, coveralls, punch the clock, and he was gone. Amen. He was ready. And here's what George said. George said, you see, I stay ready to keep from getting ready, just like I'm ready for Jesus. My question for you this morning is, are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Because you see, there are only certain people that Jesus is returning for. The only people that Jesus is returning for are the people that are ready. Amen? So are you ready? That's the focus of our Bible verses here this morning. And as we examine these verses I'm going to be sharing with you, there's one question I want you to ask yourself, and that is this. He's coming. Am I going? He's coming. Am I going? On page 1050 in the Bibles in front of you, I want to encourage you to follow along with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As we read to what the Apostle Paul wrote to believers not unlike yourselves, uh, the church at Thessalonica, writing to this, this body of believers in this little central locale, just like you're in north, uh, northeast Lauderdale County, this church was in Thessalonica. And listen to what he wrote to them. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or who have died lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself 
will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. As I describe this event called the rapture, there are several things I want you to know about this wonderful event. First of all, I want you to know the participants involved in this event. The first of which is the Savior. The Savior, the Lord Jesus, will be involved. When the Lord Jesus was here on earth, the Lord Jesus was talking about the end times, and he said that angels would gather together the chosen ones, those that have placed their faith in Jesus at the second coming, and here's what he said. Listen carefully. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send his angels and gather together his chosen ones from the four winds, from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest parts of heaven. That's what happens in the end times, okay? We're not talking about the end times. We're talking about an event called the rapture. The event in the rapture, Jesus will send no angels. In the rapture, Jesus will send no heavenly beings. In the rapture, Jesus is coming to get us himself. Amen. He's coming himself. The one who died to redeem the bride from our sin. The one who died on the cross is the one who's going to return to rapture his bride, the church. The one that gave his life on the cross is the one who's going to come to get us himself. Now, the Bible says that this event is going to accompany a couple of things. The first of which is a shout. Now, when you do a word study on this shout, you'll find that it's much like a military command. Jesus is calling the hosts of heaven to assemble for military action against the realm of the enemy. He's calling them to assemble against the enemy. Where is the realm of the enemy? You're in it. Amen. The world is the realm of the enemy. This shout is also important because Jesus promised that there would come a day when the dead in the grave would hear his voice. Listen to this. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Not only will there be this shout at this event, there will also be a trumpet of God. Now, you need to know a little bit about trumpets in the Bible. In Jewish history, trumpets were used for many different things for many different reasons. Trumpets announced the feasts. They announced the, the celebrations. They announced the sacred assemblies. Trumpets would sound an alarm in time of war. Trumpets were also sounded to make a very critical announcement. But the sounding of the trumpet here seems to have two different purposes. The first of which is the trumpet 
is meant to assemble the people of God. Now, back in Exodus, in chapter 19, just before the Lord God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, listen to what happened. In verse 16 of chapter 19, that it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. Amen? To meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in a fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long, and it became louder and louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with his own voice. So the trumpet here seems to be blown to assemble the people. But we also know from the book of Zechariah that there's another reason for the trumpet being blown. And that is because God is signaling his deliverance of his people. There in Zechariah in chapter 9, the Bible says, Then the Lord will be seen over them. His arrow will go forth like lightning. And the Lord God will blow the trumpet. Amen. And the Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people. So we have a shout. We have a sounding of the trumpet. But not only will the Savior be involved, the saints of God will also be involved. When the rapture takes place, it will involve all those who are saved by the grace of God, past and present. Did you hear that? All of the saints of God, past and present. This will not be an event for a few super saints. Amen? It's not about what you've done. It's about who you trust. Do you have your faith in Christ? It will be a time when everyone, say everyone, when everyone who has trusted Jesus as their personal Savior will be lifted up out of the world together. Trusted Jesus. Now, there's two statements I want to make right here. Number one, the rapture will include all the saints. All the saints of God. There is no such thing as a partial rapture. All the saints of God will be uh, caught away. There, there may be many that you don't think should be there. Amen? Hey man, she, she ain't got no business being there. But guess what? If she's placed her faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, trusted in the blood, shed on the Calvary's cross, and that life is being manifested, guess what? She's going. Amen? And if they're saved, they're going to make that trip. If they're saved, they're going to make that trip. And just for the record, not a single one of us deserves to go. Amen? None of us deserve to go. The only way anyone is going to make this trip is if you've been saved by faith and the finished work of Jesus' cross. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Friends, it's the gift of God. And if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, guess what? You will be saved and you will be part of this event. So the first statement is, the rapture will include all the saints. You ready for the second statement? 
Are you ready for the second statement? The rapture will include only the saints. The rapture will include only the saints. There's going to be a lot of fine people on the earth in that day. There's going to be a lot of moral people on the earth in that day. A lot of religious people on this planet in that day. There's going to be a lot of church members in that day. There's going to be a lot of kind and good people. But if they have not been saved by the glorious grace of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, they ain't going. The rapture will include only the saints. And sadly, friend, there will be many left behind who thought they were ready. Who thought they were ready. So I want to encourage you today. If there's any remote possibility that you're not ready today, I pray that you'll make this day a day where you're absolutely sure. In Matthew 24, 44, the Lord Jesus said, Therefore, be ready. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So with a shout, with the trumpet of God, all the saints of God will participate. And only the saints of God will participate. Now I want you to focus on the power involved in this event. The first power that we see is the power of the resurrection. Now, what you need to understand is, is that these Thessalonian believers, they firmly believed that Jesus was coming back. They were absolutely convinced. We know Jesus is coming back. But they were afraid that those who had already passed away in faith had missed out on this rapture. Or worst, had missed out on heaven. So they were worried about that. And so the Apostle Paul writes this to them to reassure them that there is coming a day. There's coming a day when even the dead in Christ will rise again. The same God who moved in power to create the earth and everything in it is the same God who will resurrect the dead. It's the same God. And you know, when you start considering the millions of people who have died in faith, when you start thinking about the, how many bodies have turned to dust, it will boggle your mind. I mean, think about this. It's a good thing that you don't have to understand the mechanics of it all. It's a good, good thing that you don't have to understand how it all works. All you have to do is be blessed by it. Amen? All you have to do is trust in the power of God. All you need to know is that you serve a God and he's got that kind of power to raise the dead. Ephesians chapter 3 reminds us that to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than we can ask or imagine, to him the power works through us. And you know what you need to remember too? Is you need to remember that we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings living in a physical body. Sometimes we get it twisted around and we think that we're a physical being that just happens to have a soul. But that's not the case according to scripture. I believe that we can see here that we can be comforted knowing that all the saints that we've known, all the saints that we've loved and have preceded us in death, they will have their bodies raised from the dead. That's the promise of scripture. 
That's the promise here. And by the way, can I tell you that not a single one of those saints who have died in Christ is in the grave today. Did you hear that? You may have buried them, but they ain't there. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, the Bible says, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Well, how in the world does that happen, Bill? Well, you have to understand that there are really only three possibilities for existence on this planet for a Christian. One, you can be just like you are today. A Christian believer, follower, who is living in a mortal body. That's one possibility for existence. There's a second possibility for existence, and that is this. It's the state between the death of the body and the rapture of Jesus Christ. You might call that a disembodied state. Okay? Let me clarify this a little bit. It's a state when your spirit or your soul is consciously enjoying Jesus Christ and you're in his presence. That is the state of those who have died in faith. Their spirit is with Jesus. That's according to the scripture there in 2 Corinthians 5, 8. And then finally, there's the greatest blessing of our salvation, which is, of course, when we receive our glorified bodies, and we know that we'll have that when the Lord comes to get us. So when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes to catch us away, those who have died in faith, Jesus will bring their spirits with him. And they'll be reunited. They'll receive a new glorified body, a brand new body, and then they will all be taken up from the earth to be with the Lord, according to the Bible, forever. Amen. That's the power of resurrection. But there's also this incredible power of rapture. Now, if you look for the word rapture in your concordance, you ain't going to find it. Because the word rapture doesn't appear in the King James Version of the Bible, the New King James Version of the Bible, the New Living Translation of the Bible, the North American Standard Bible. It does, it's not in there. Rapture comes from a Latin word. And that Latin word means caught up. Caught up. Paul says those who are alive when the rapture comes will be caught up together with those who have died in Christ. That phrase literally means this. Are you listening? Say amen. Here's what it literally means. To seize by force. It means to carry off by force. It means to claim for oneself eagerly. So in the rapture, the Lord Jesus will claim his bride, the church, by force. By force. Within the heart of every one of us here. I know that you will say, if you're redeemed and you're born again, I know every one of you say, you know what, there's coming a day when I'm going to depart from this earth and I'm going to heaven. Can I get a testimony? Anybody else but me? All right, we all want that. That's within all of our hearts. But listen, there are forces who want to hinder that desire. There are forces who want to hinder your departure if they could. Satan wants you staying right here. So he can use you as a pawn of sin. Sin wants you to stay right where you are. The flesh wants you to stay right where you are. The world wants you to stay right where you are. And they all conspire to keep you here. But listen carefully. When Jesus comes, there ain't going to be no staying. You hear that? 
When Jesus comes, there ain't going to be no staying. He will catch us away, that which he has redeemed by his blood, and he will take it home to glory, and that's the end of the story. Amen? Don't forget that. Praise God, there'll be no force, no force who is able to prevent Christ coming for us. There is no force who will be able to hold us here when Jesus comes for us. The bottom line is this, when he comes, we go. Y'all hear that? When he comes, we gone. So at the moment of rapture, the Bible tells us that we will forever lose these fleshly bodies and we will be changed. Oh, it's getting better. And we will be changed. Paul wrote to another church, not unlike ourselves, and to those believers, that body of local believers, he said, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed, and it will happen in a moment. It will happen in a blink of an eye. It will happen when the last trumpet is blown, and we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that never die. That appeals to my logic. I get that, right? So important. So there's only one person who has the power to precipitate events as powerful as the resurrection and the rapture. And friends, his name is Jesus Christ. End of story. End of story. He'll take us home to glory, and that's the end of the story. Amen? Wonderful blessings. We have seen the participants in this event. We have seen the power in this event. And I want to close this morning with the promise involved in this event there's a promise that jesus is going to rescue us what a blessing friend we are going to be rescued when jesus makes this glorious appearance the bible says that he will come in the air verse 17 now that's significant that jesus would come in the air because according to the new testament the air is where the devil lives Listen carefully in Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil's territory. The spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Friend, when Jesus comes, he will come directly marching right through the enemy's territory. He ain't scared. Amen? He ain't scared. He's coming straight through the devil's territory. He will call up his bride into the realm of the enemy. He will lead her safely. He will lead her triumphantly. And he'll go right through the devil's territory as a display that I got more power than you, devil. I've got more power than you, Satan. And I am going to save my church. I'm going to save my bride. I'm going to save my people. Friends, we could never ever get out of here on our own. We need to be rescued. And Jesus will rescue his bride. In fact, the promise of scripture says that he will rescue his bride prior to. He'll rescue his bride before the wrath of God is unleashed upon the world in the tribulation events of the book of Revelation. We will be spared from that if we belong to the church of God if we belong to the bride of Christ. But there's not only the promise of rescue, 
But is there also this wonderful promise of reunion? How do you know, Bill? Well, let's just look at that one verse there. That phrase says that we'll be caught up together with them. With those who have died in Christ, we'll be reunited with them. You and I are going to enjoy this blessed reunion with those in Christ who have gone on before us. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful day. It's going to be a wonderful day to come in contact again with your loved ones on the other side that you have waited for years and years to see. It's going to happen on this day. Amen. But there's not only the promise of rescue. And there's not only the promise of this glorious reunion. There is also the promise of revelation. Jesus revealing himself. The Bible says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Friend, it's going to be great to see mama. It's going to be great to see dad. It's going to be great to see your spouse and your grandparents. It's going to be great to meet Moses. It's going to be great to meet uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's going to be great to meet Paul. It's going to be great to meet all these heroes of the faith that we find in Hebrews chapter 11. It's going to be wonderful. But listen carefully. It's going to pale in comparison to the day you see Jesus. What are you going to do? What's the song say? Fall on your knees. Going to cry. Going to smile so big your, your mouth hurts. Amen. That day is going to pale in comparison to seeing the one who gave his life and bore his sins on his body for you. Imagine seeing your Lord for the first time. Imagine seeing the marks on his body where he bore our sins. Imagine seeing his face. Imagine hearing his voice for the first time audibly. Imagine being welcomed into his heaven by his own invitation. The Bible says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. What does that mean, Bill? That means that you and I are going to be wherever he is forever. Wherever he is is where you're going to be for how long? Forever. forever. Whether it be in heaven whether it be around the Father's throne, whether it be on earth ruling for a thousand years, whether it be a time of endless worship or endless praise, you're going to be where Jesus is, how long? Forever. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. Amen. But here's what I'm trying to say to you today. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Here's what I want to say to you today. He's coming. He's coming. And he's coming for people who are ready. Did you hear that, church? He's coming for people who are ready. When that day comes, will you go? Or will you stay?
Don't leave this building without answering that question. When he comes, are you going? You can. But only if you're saved. Only if you have placed your faith and trust in him and him alone to save you from the penalty of sin. So in the end, listen carefully. What God does with you hinges on what you do with Jesus. In the end, what God does with us hinges upon what we do with his glorious son. Friend, he might come before you get the first morsel in your mouth. You may not make it to the door before he comes. Are you going or are you staying? During this invitation, you can be convinced, persuaded, 100% assured that you're going. And if you decide you don't want to make that decision right now, that's the same as making a decision. In the end, it means you're staying. What's your reply to that question? Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for April the 14th, 1977. Lord, that day where I decided, I'm going. I'm going. I place my trust in you, Jesus, and the blood you shed.